Today on Awaken to Grace, we are in part two of a sermon called The Boy Who Became King out of Second Chronicles chapter 24. Friends, we're talking about this incredible story of a man named King Joash. He became king at only seven years old. And you know, while the Bible talks about most kings in this in this way, it says they either did what was right in the eyes of the Lord or they did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. You know what it says about Joash? It says he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord as long as the priest Jehoram was alive. You know, what we're going to talk about today is how many people are just like that. They are spiritual as long as their grandmother or grandfather or parents or other people who had had been a good influence on them spiritually while they are still alive. But then if that spiritual influence is removed, then all of a sudden they don't really have a relationship with the Lord. I speak a strong warning today, not only to people like myself who were raised as church kids, but even those of us who right now we are raising church kids. Friends, King Joash was raised in the temple, but yet he grew up and abandoned the house of God. Oh, what a tragic story. We're going to learn the principles of his life. We're going to see the downfalls that led him there. And we are going to learn how to avoid them in our own life and for the sake of our own family. I hope you're enjoying my series on the Kings. If you've missed any parts of this, go back and download my free mobile app, Awakened to Grace. And there you can access it all completely free. If these sermons are impacting you, oh, I would love to know it. Shoot me an email today, PastorChadRoberts at gmail.com. And you know what, my friends? Even though I'm blind, I'm 100% blind. And even though I fight blindness, you know what? I receive every one of your emails. And when my staff read the emails to me, oh, it brings such joy to my heart. So take a moment today. Send me an email. Let me know where you're from. Let me know how I can pray for you. Pastor Chad Roberts at gmail.com. Let's get to God's Word now. Second Chronicles chapter 24, the boy who became king. He is going to be preserved. And where do they hide him? This is fascinating. A, a priest, a godly priest by the name of Jehoiada. Be great baby name if anybody's expecting right now. <laughs> Jehoiada. He hides him in the temple. And for the six years that Athaliah reigns, murderous, wicked, Jeho- uh, uh, Jehoiada is raising Joash. Now go to chapter 24, and let me walk us a little bit through 24. And this is where the rubber is going to meet the road. This is where we're going to apply some things to our lives today. So I've tried to give you the context. I've tried to show you what dark days it is in the kingdom of Judah. Jehoram is wicked as can be. He only lives eight years. 
His son Ahaziah, wicked, he only lives a year. And now Athaliah has murdered all of her grandchildren. She is on the throne for six years. But unbeknownst to her is a baby named Joash, who is going to continue the covenant of God, who's going to continue the remnant of Israel, who's going to continue the messianic lineage. Why? All because, chapter 21, verse 7, God will not break his own word. Amen to it. I don't care how dark things get in America. God's not going to break his covenant with his people. So Joash is hidden. And I want you to look at with me chapter 24, verse 1. This is amazing. <laughs> the boy... Becomes king at seven years old. Jehoiada arranges it all. If you go back to 23, you can read it on your own time. Athaliah hears the celebration. She walks into the temple. She sees what has happened. She rips her clothes and yells, treason. And Jehoiada says, take her out of the temple and kill her. She's now off the scene, and now Joash is reigning. He's only seven. The boy who became king at seven years old. Now, there's an interesting phrase that I want you to pay attention to in verse number two. Joash, with all of the kings, it either says they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord or they did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. But Joash is different. I want you to pay attention to this. He did what was right in the sight of God as long as Jehoiada lived. Pay attention to that. I want to talk for a few moments to those who you were like me and you were church kids. How many of you were church kids growing up? I know we're weird. We can't even respond real good. We're like, well, I don't know. Do we, cla- do we raise our hand? I don't know. <laughs> Some of you, you were not raised in church. We are your first church, so we welcome you. But there's a word to warning to church kids. I want to talk to you who pack out our family life department over here and we are raising our children as church kids. Say amen if you're raising your kids as a church kid. Well, they'll be a little weird, but that's all right. Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord as long as His spiritual influence was alive. Verse 2. I want you to note verses 4 through 14. Joash is so passionate over the Lord. He's so passionate about the things of God that what he does in verse number 8, he commands that the house of God, that the temple be restored. Now this is fascinating to me. Where did Joash grow up? In the temple. Sadie summed it up well last night. She said, huh, he cut his teeth on church pews. That's right. He grew up 
in the house of God. He grew up around the things of God. And according to verses 4 through 14, he led a financial campaign to restore the temple and the spirit of revival was in the land. And oh, Judah could not have done any better than what they were doing in the moment. But then I want you to look at verses 15 and 16. A change comes. Jehoram, that great godly man, full of days and full of years, he dies at age 130. How would you like to fill that birthday cake? 130 years old, full of days, full of years, and he dies. These scriptures are remarkable to me. Verse 17. Then the princes of Judah come to Joash. They give him bad counsel. And what does it say, verse 17, that Joash does? Listen now, listen. He listens to them. Oh, let me warn you, people of God, you better pay attention. Oh, you better be so careful who you allow into your ear. You better be careful who you allow to influence you. You better be careful who you allow to take you certain places and to influence your way of thinking and to get you around certain people. There is a warning to the people of God here. The spiritual influence in his life was removed. And this church kid, this kid who grew up around the things of God, come to find out he had no relationship with God. His spirituality was based on other people and not on his relationship with God Almighty. How many of our children will grow up the same way? The only spirituality they will know is their church. The only spirituality that they will know is what they see in you. When other influences come into their life, when new friends come into their life, when this godless culture comes into their ears, what will they do? Verse 17, he listens. He listened to them. What a consequential verse. And now things are going to change rapidly. I want you to look at verse 18. How is it that a man who is so passionate for the things of God, how is it that verses 14 through 18, he restored the temple of God that now, I'm sorry, 14, forward to verse 14, and now in verse 18, notice what it says, he abandoned the house of God. Shocking. Friends, as a pastor, Do you realize how often I see this? Do you know how many counseling sessions I do? Where someone sits in the house of God. They worship. They pray. They follow Jesus. And then a few years later. They walk away from God. How is it? How is it? 
How is it that people who are around the things of God, loving the things of God, giving toward the things of God, and then sometime later, they abandon him? Oh, let me tell you, it's highly possible. And it happens all the time. Here's my question. Will it ever happen to you? Will it ever happen to your marriage? Will it ever happen to your children? Will it happen to your own soul? You know, the Puritans taught, not only are we saved, and thank God we are, but they taught the idea of being saved. Continuous sanctification. I think we need to get back to that kind of teaching in today's church. That not only am I saved, oh, my friends, I am being saved. Amen. That two years from now, I'm not going to fall away. Ten years from now, I'm not going to fall away. Twenty years from now, I'm not going to fall away. You know why? Because my relationship with God has nothing to do with any arm of flesh. It has to do with God Almighty. What are you teaching your children? Is their spirituality church? Or is it God? What a difference. Joash is a church kid. Grew up in the temple. Gave toward the things of God. Raised. What a fundraiser he was. Look, he raised enormous amounts of money for God's house. And now, here he is. Verse 18. Pay attention to it. Now he abandons God's house. Is that striking to you as much as it is me? Now, once you look at verse 19. God sends prophets, people to warn him. Just like you pay attention to the phrase in verse 18 that he listened to bad counsel. Now I want you to pay attention to this phrase in verse 19. God sent prophets to warn him, but what did he do? He did not pay attention. He listened to the wrong people. Friends, I can't warn you strong enough. You better be careful you listen to. You better be careful. Verse 20. Now this, listen, the plot is going to thicken. The son of Jehoiada is Zechariah. And look at verse 20. It says, and the spirit of God clothed Zechariah. Oh, I love that terminology. The Spirit of God clothed him. You know, that's what God does with us today. When the Bible says that you will be endued with power, you know what that means? Clothed, wrapped. (laughs) He clothed him. Now, my mom made a very interesting observance to me about the king. She she has enjoyed the study, and she said she's, won, she's went on and she's read all of 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. Because it's been so intriguing to her from the onset of the series. She told me a few weeks ago, she said, you know, the thing I've been thinking about, and this is very true. 
these kings did not have the Spirit of God indwelling them. Think about that. What gives us the advantage? You and I literally, physically, spiritually had the Holy Spirit indwelling us. Praise God for it. Amen? That when you and I start to go down the wrong road, we feel conviction. When you and I do something that displeases God, the Holy Spirit corrects us. Praise God for it. Amen? And so Zechariah is clothed with the Holy Spirit. And he stands up and he warns them and he says, You have forsaken God and God has forsaken you. And what does the king do? Instead of repenting, instead of realizing his error, I want you to pay very close attention to verse 21. The king commanded him to be stoned. Now, how is it? I ask you again. In verse 8, he commands the rebuilding of the house of God, the restoration of it. But in verse 21, he commands the death of the prophet, the very son of Jehoiada. Verse 22 says that King Joash remembered not the kindness shown to him by Jehoiada, how far this man had fallen. This boy king who once loved the things of God and now, according to verse 18, abandoned the house of God, led Judah to serve idols, went into idol worship. Verse 19, would not pay attention to the prophets of his day. Verse 20, would not listen to Zechariah when he was clothed by the Holy Spirit and prophesied the warning. And now verse 21, commands him to be stoned to death. What a terrible legacy. And where did it all begin? It began in verse 17, when he began to listen to the wrong influences. Friends, you and I face the same potential danger. You and I face the same potential danger. Who is the most spiritual influence in your life? Whoever that is. That may be your mother. It may be a father. That may be a grandparent. That may be a co-worker. That may be a mentor who has discipled you. It may be a pastor or another preacher. I don't know. But let me warn you. Your spirituality better not be wrapped up in them as Joash's was wrapped up in Jehoiada. One of my greatest... I've got a number of spiritual influences. A number of them. But let me tell you, if one of them falls because of their clay feet, it has no bearing on my relationship to God, nor my responsibility to God Almighty. Things turned in Joash's life when he hitched his wagon to the wrong people. We need to have eyes wide open to this. Now, verse 22, he did not remember the kindness shown to him by Jehoiada. Verse 23, a small band, an army came down from Syria. Judah should have easily taken care of them, but no. God allowed Syria to prevail because they had forsaken God. Verse 24, he's wounded by the battle. and Verse 25, they conspired against him because he shed the blood of Zechariah. 
and they killed him in his own bed. What a tragic end to a man who had the opportunity to bring revival to the nation. What a tragic end to the man who could have led Judah out of its darkest days. What will your ending be? When your life is boiled down to this, are you doing what's right in the sight of God? Or are you doing what's evil in the sight of God? Like so many of these kings, have you started out well? That's not the real question. The real question is how are you going to finish? And you don't have to be fearful. I meet some people who are so afraid they're going to fall into sin. No, God will keep you. God will preserve you. It's not, it's not that you have to be worried that you're going to fall into sin. Here's what the scriptures teach us. Beware. Be cautious. Be mindful. Be sensitive. That you don't fall from your own steadfastness. Scripture doesn't teach, be careful that you fall into this gross, sinful state. It says, no, be careful that your foot don't slide. Because you know the old saying, you give Satan an inch and he'll take it what? A mile. And that's true. The old saying, oh, let me get it right. Let me get it right. Satan will cost you more than you ever meant to pay. Satan will keep you longer than you ever meant to stay. Guard who you listen to. Guard where your spirituality relies. Is it in the Lord or is it in this church? If your spirituality is in me or this church, I'm just telling you right now, you are going to be mightily disappointed. You will. Buckle up. Brace for it. I'll let you down. This church will let you down. But if your spirituality is in the Lord, then you're going to endure to the end. Amen. <laughs> Pray with me. Lord, thank you for these kings. Thank you for their lives. You know, Lord, if I were the author of the Bible, I wouldn't put this stuff in there. I wouldn't put really bad and negative things. I would want to paint a rosy picture. I would want it to be a, a complete blissful rose garden. But your ways are not our ways and your thoughts are higher than ours. And you put these men and women pages of your eternal word so that we may learn so that we may heed so that we may course correct with your heads bowed and your eyes closed right now do you need to course correct your life are you looking too much to someone else rather than the Lord are you a church kid who once loved the things of the Lord, but now you love the things of the world more? 
Are you someone that your family is spiritual for 90 minutes on a Sunday morning? But go home and all wickedness is welcomed into your home. Course correct. Course correct. Cleanse your homes. Cleanse your lives. Ask the Lord right now what needs to change. Ask the Lord what you need to correct. Have you signed up for my weekly devotional email? Every Tuesday, I send out a devotion that will help you grow in your faith. Go to my website, awakentograce.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and when you sign up and submit your email, you'll get a direct message from me every Tuesday. Sign up today at awakentograce.com.